Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, as you heard in the intro. But I'm just so excited to be back with you this week. Of course, we had a, I guess we could call them a bye week. Since since the reason that we didn't have a show last week is because of the UGA football game. It's a bye week for the garden show. But no problem at all because we are back in it and we are here to answer your questions. Of course, New Southern Garden loves to hear from our listeners Uh, and our gardening friends. And if you have some troubles or trials or tribulations in the landscape, well, we want to be a source to help you do that. And so over the course of the month, we collect your questions and then we give you our answers. Uh, Hopefully with the intention to help you be more successful in all of your horticultural and landscaping endeavors. So this week, we've got a pretty big show for you. We've got some questions from up here in Cleveland and down towards Atlanta. But we are going to be talking about containers and how to maintain them. Then we're going to talk some about vegetables in the cool season, which is always a fun thing to do and can be quite beneficial because at the end of your uh, cool season crop, you have things to eat. It's wonderful. And then, uh, let's see, perennials is on the list. We've got a question uh, about perennials. And so, hopefully more to come. I just don't know how many we can fit in. So definitely hang on with us through the entire hour here on New Southern Garden. Now, of course, if you've missed any shows from this season or previous years, well, you can find all of those online at NewSouthernGarden.com, where you can also submit your own question on the Contact Us page. And that's a great way to uh, send us your question because we check that uh, mailbox for our Q&A weeks. And you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram and all of the podcasting apps. Uh, I go over that every week. But I want to make sure you know, especially if you're a new listener, how you can listen uh, to New Southern Garden. If you happen to miss us here on Saturday morning at 10 a.m., WRWH 93.9 FM. This is your hometown radio right here in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, Cleveland, Georgia. Well, gang, so we do have a lot to go over, but I would like to, uh, well, I I hope, I want to just see if you enjoyed two weeks ago program, because we weren't on last week, but we had our Halloween spooky garden spectacular, and uh, I hope you enjoyed those stories about dangerous and deadly plants. You know, not every plant is dangerous or deadly, but there are plenty of plants who have these... um, mechanisms, whether it's chemistries and chemicals in their, in their leaves and stems and roots to help protect them against invaders or predators, if you will. Of course, there are some plants that have other things than chemicals. They've got uh, thorns, right? They've got spines. They've got spikes on them to help protect them. And in many cases, it does help protect them from things like deer, uh, rabbits, and other critters that might want to devour them. So even though plants, you know, they don't have eyes like deer and they don't have feet like rabbits, uh, sometimes it's hard for us to relate 
to plants because they just sit there and grow. But they do have unique characteristics that can help them uh, ensure their life uh, and make sure that their offspring can be uh, grown and that their lineage can continue. So I think it's pretty interesting to think about those things. But if you did happen to miss that show, of course, that was the Spooky Garden episode uh, that we did a couple of weeks ago for Halloween. You can find all that at NewSouthernGarden.com. Now, before, I do have a little bit of a garden rant to get into before we answer your questions. But even before that, I do want to have it reminded you about the TuneIn app. The TuneIn app on any of your smart devices, whether it's a cell phone or an iPad or some kind of tablet, You can download the TuneIn app. It's a free app, and it's great this time of year because I know that in a few weeks, we will be getting into the holiday season. It seems like Christmas starts earlier and earlier when you go into the stores and shopping centers because they've had Christmas trees and wreaths and ribbons and ornaments out for weeks now. But you will be traveling, maybe. Maybe you'll be traveling to see some family or friends or maybe just to get away for a while. But just because you're away for a while doesn't mean that you have to miss all of the great pro- uh, great programming that you love here at WRWH 93.9 FM. No, you can listen live to WRWH and all of its great programs, of course, on the TuneIn app. So you download the TuneIn app and then search for WRWH 93.9 FM and you like it. All you have to do is press a little heart button. It's got a little heart that you stick. I have it on my TuneIn app. And of course, WRWH is one of my favorites. So I've got it hearted and favoritized. I don't know if that's the right lingo or not, Mr. Producer, but we'll go with it. And then when you are traveling, all you have to do is have uh, internet connection, whether it's your LTE data plan or whether you can get on Wi-Fi. If you're staying in a hotel, a motel, or some kind of resort this holiday season, get on their Wi-Fi and you can listen to all of your favorite shows, including, and probably most importantly, New Southern Garden. (laughs) You can listen to all of WRWH any time of the day, uh, any day of the week on the TuneIn app. So be sure to check that out. Well, now for my gardening rant. I... um, It's not really a rant. It's just something that I wanted to clarify, but I couldn't do so at the time. And uh, you were not there with me. Of course, this was not on one of our shows. This was actually at the nursery. Of course, uh, I spend my days and many nights at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, where you can find me throughout the week. And uh, just this past week, we had a client, a customer come in, and she was talking about how when she buys plants, she lets them stay in their pot for at least a year before planting them. And that sort of caught me off guard. Like, why would you wait a year? And then her reasoning or justification was that she would allow those plants to stay in the pots for a year. And if they made it for a year in their pots, then it was a good plant and it was going to be planted. And like I said, at the time, I really couldn't clarify. I didn't feel like I should intrude upon her line of thought, her reasoning behind that. But folks, when you buy plants in containers, It is best to plant them as soon as you can. (laughs) Even in the spring and summer, it is better for that plant to be in the ground than to be in a pot. Now, in the spring and summer plantings, yes, there are uh, some more, there's some more attention. There is more attention you need to give to those newly planted plants because spring and summer, it's hot. There's not much moisture, not much rainfall, and you may have to water. You probably do want to fertilize that time of year. But the point is, Plants like to be in the soil. They like to be in the ground. And there's a few reasons why uh, that I'll give you in a second. But um, 
the reality is that her line of thinking was, I guess, it's in a pot. It's uh, I'm going to put it, and, and see, I thought maybe she was going to place it in different areas around the landscape to see if it liked a certain sun condition better or shade condition better, but no, it was just the fact that she thought that if it lived in the container, it would do well in the, it would do well in the garden. But the reality is, uh, a plant in a container for a year has more liabilities. It has more chances of dying because of something you and I should do or don't do. <laughs> so in a container, plants will need more moisture added to them than they need when they're planted in the soil. And you see, most of the gardening that I do, especially at the nursery, is container, uh, container planting because, or container gardening. Because, of course, we sell container, uh, plants in containers. And so every day, whether it's a summer day or a winter day, there are certain things we need to consider when we have plants in containers. So I hate to bust her bubble to say that it's not a good, it's not a good practice to let a containerized plant stay in its pot for a year just to see if it makes it. Because probably, uh, well, I don't know what percentage, but many more times than not, that plant would struggle in a container because of something we don't do for it or something we did to it uh, inappropriately. Can you overwater plants in a container? Yes, you can. Can you underwater plants in a container? Absolutely, and probably that is the main culprit of most deaths in uh, containerized plants. So when you plant your plant in the ground, its roots are free. You see, in a container, its roots are bound by the pot. It can't search for more soil to grow in. It can't search for more water to use and drink up. And it surely can only get the nutrition that you've used with your fertilizing. But in the soil, you see, there's plenty of root space for your plants to grow. In the soil, there is plenty of moisture, usually, except maybe in the summer. You may have to water once a week. But a containerized plant only gets the water you give it. Or Mother Nature gives it if it's uh, exposed to rainfall. And it will dry out quickly in a container. Most containerized plants in the summer are going to require daily watering. But in the ground, maybe only weekly watering. Because it's just a larger reservoir of water for them to use. And then nutrition is the same thing, or fertilizer. So in the ground, there, even though the, your soil may not be the best, there is probably certain amounts of phosphorus and potassium you may have to add the nitrogen because nitrogen does not hold on to soil very well. But regardless, the point here is that keeping a, a plant in a container just to see if it's going to do well is not a good test. If it's going to do well, it needs to be in the ground, in the soil. Get those roots covered really nice and mulch them well. Uh, because, again, these plants need certain things that a container doesn't always allow them to have. Now, again, this is coming from a guy who makes his living off of growing plants in containers. Containers are great for a, a nursery because they're easy to, um, easy to sell. You know, if you're growing plants in the ground, you've got to dig it out and wrap its roots up in something and then give it to the customer. But in a, container, a containerized nursery, you can go into the nursery and buy plants in pots and load them up easily in your back trunk. But... It does take a lot of work and a different kind of gardening, if you will, uh, to keep that plant healthy and happy and living. 
So, it's sort of a garden rant, but I just wanted to uh, clarify that there's very few reasons why we would keep a plant in a container for an extended period of time. I'll give you uh, one good reason why we would do that. Uh, plants can live in containers. It's no problem. You may have to uh, uh, pot them up from time to time. As they grow, they need more soil space. But if it's just a temporary deal, maybe a few months, say, say you are going to, um, to move, right, and you want to take some plants with you, well, it's appropriate to dig them out of the ground, put them in a container, and let them stay in that container for a short period of time. But then as soon as you move into a new place, as soon as you do that, then it's probably time to get them in the ground as soon as you can. And another reason uh, might be that, you know, somebody gives you a plant or you go into the nursery and you see a plant that you, you know, you weren't in anticipating buying anything, but you found a plant you just really want to have, but you don't know where to put it. So you're not moving, you're staying at your, pl- your same place, same residence, but you've got, you've acquired a plant for some reason, whether it was a gift or whether uh, you just impulse buy, right? And you get home and you're like, well, maybe it should go beside the porch or maybe on the back patio. I just don't know yet. I'm not sure. Let me figure out what kind of sun conditions and soil conditions this plant needs, and then I'll plant it. And that's appropriate too. But again, when you're keeping those plants in containers, make sure they don't dry out. Uh, Make sure that you fertilize them during the growing season, spring through summer up till Labor Day. And give them the moisture they need, but don't overwater them. If it's uh, if you're keeping your plants sort of in a shady spot just temporarily, sort of to uh, hold on to them for a while, to plant them later, and they're in a shady site, then they may not need as much uh, as much moisture as plants that are growing in a full sun condition. And so you've got to judge and balance and weigh things out, but always monitor those plants and containers. That's one of the biggest jobs we have at the nursery is just looking at the plants, seeing if they look like they need moisture, if they look like they need fertilizer, because they are not going to get any more moisture than we give them, and they're not going to get any more fertilizer we need them, because again, they're confined to a pot, to a container. I'm not discouraging you from growing containers or plants in containers, but just know that You need to get trees and shrubs and perennials out of those pots, into the garden, into the soil, into the earth as soon as you can. When we get back from this quick break, we are going to continue talking about containers, but we're talking about those flowering containers, annual containers. We're going to talk about what kind of care you need to give them and how to give it to them over the winter months. Hang on tight, gang. We'll be right back. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well.
Well, gang, I just want to give you a reminder that if you have any plants in containers, whether it's a shrub or a tree or some perennials, go ahead and plant them now. Now is a great time to plant. You can feel the chill in the air, can you not? Some nights have been downright cold, and I've seen some frost, and I've seen some effects of frost uh, in my own landscape and at the nursery already. Uh, so this is planting time. There's no reason why you should wait to plant anything in a container. Let those plants get in the ground now. The, the, even though the air temperature is a bit chilled and cool, the ground, the soil, is still very warm. And that is ideal. An ideal situation for a newly transplanted plant that's been put in the ground is warm soil and cooler air temperatures, especially this time of year while the plant is not actively growing and doesn't require so much uh, extra from you. It doesn't need extra water. It doesn't need any fertilizer right now. All of that can happen in the spring. But what you'll find about water in particular is that if you plant now, you probably won't have to water that plant next spring and summer. It's not a guarantee, but you'll need less water, that's for sure, because their roots will become established over winter. So if you missed uh, the first part of this program, the first segment, uh, just check back online at NewSouthernGarden.com because I was talking all about the reasons why you don't need to keep plants in their container over winter or really any time of the year. You need to get them in the ground so they can grow. But with that in mind, we are going to go to the uh, mailbox and our emails and the questions that you've sent us, and we're going to answer a question about containers. Uh, but this question doesn't necessarily refer to shrubs and trees that are in containers. No, this is those, uh, you know, stunning fall containers that I call them. A few weeks ago, we talked about how do you create those beautiful containers you see uh, on the mag magazines or web pages, whatever you're listening at or looking at, I should say. Uh, how do you create those awesome fall containers? And we did give a nice episode about the principles of design for containers and, and, and how to use color and textures of leaves and form of the plants themselves to get a stunning look. And we've got a listener, uh, Gina, from right here in Cleveland, who says, listen to your show about creating those fall containers. Uh, I made one and mine looks great. But can you talk about how to care for containers over winter? And Gina, that is a good question. I don't think that we talk too much about caring for your container and uh, that episode that you'll find online at NewSouthernGarden.com and the podcasting apps. We talked mainly about designing them and putting them together. But now that Gina and hopefully many of you other great gardeners of the New Southern Garden family have done so, what do you do to keep them looking stunning for the rest of winter? Well, there are some things you want to consider. Again... These plants are smaller than shrubs and trees, but they're in a container where they're in confined space. And pansies, they don't need much rootable soil volume. They don't need much space to grow because their root system is smaller. They're a smaller plant. Maybe you've got violas or dusty millers or euphorbias or carex or some of those beautiful plants we talked about a couple of weeks ago. But even though they are smaller plants, they do need some things because the container itself is uh, restricting the amount of water they get. It's restricting the amount of fertilizer they get. So let me walk you through a few things that you need to keep in mind when it comes to maintaining these containers. Let's start off with water. First of all, watering your showy containers 
is, is a simple task, but it's something that you need to monitor. Before you water anything, be sure to moist, uh, sorry, be sure to monitor. So a uh, little saying that I've created is monitor before you moisturize. You see containers may or may not uh, need water regularly, especially over winter. Because we do have some rainfall, we usually get more rainfall in the winter cool, cooler season than we get in the hot summer seasons. And so with that in mind, you need to be monitoring how much water your plants and your containers really need. One, a couple of ways to do that. First of all, the old trick. Remember the old trick? Using your finger and sticking it in the soil. So you can do that. You can stick your finger in the soil around the root system and see if it's dry or if it's moist. And if it's moist pretty far down there, then you're okay. Monitor again in a few days, and if it's dry, give it some water. But if there's moisture there, there's no reason to add a bunch more because adding extra water or too much water can cause problems uh, and can definitely cause root rots, especially over winter when it's cool. Now, the other way to monitor before you moisturize is to is by weight. So if you have a container and it is completely saturated with water, uh, say that you water it one day and you let it drain for an hour or two, come back to that container and lift the pot up and feel how heavy it is. And if uh, you're going to judge that weight in the future when you monitor, because if that container in a couple of weeks or a few days if you lift it up and it feels much lighter than you remember after it was uh, watered heavily, then it's probably dry, definitely. Uh, light containers are dry containers. Containers that are heavy have plenty of moisture. So those are two ways that you can water either by your fingers or by weight. Now, obviously, with large, heavy containers, you may not be able to pick them up. Uh, you don't want to throw your back out for your plants, even though you love them. We don't need to love them too much like that. <laughs> So you may use your, the finger trick and just get your fingers in the soil, make sure that the top few inches are moist, and if they're moist, then you know it's moist down below. But if the containers are not too heavy uh, of a container, you know, the concrete containers or uh, pottery containers, uh, the terracottas, those can be quite weighty, you may not be able to lift it, uh, but if they are smaller and light, give them a heave in the air, but careful of your back, and feel if they're uh, heavy or if they are light. If they're light, they need water. Again, monitor before you moisturize. Uh, this is helping Gina out, who has the question today. Monitor before you moisturize, Gina, because you don't want to overwater, but you don't want your plants to go dry either. Now, how about fertilizer? Fertilizer is important because fertilizer is going to keep those pansies growing and also blooming. And other plants, not just the pansies. But fertilizing is important. And what we need to fertilize with is a slow-release pelletized granular fertilizer. Now, they come in organic and they come in more commercial-like fertilizers. But regardless, they do need nutrition. And I say a slow-release fertilizer because you want those uh, pellets to slowly release or slowly break down, giving your plants uh, the fertility they need when they need it all season long. Now, we have a fertilizer at Lanier Nursery and Gardens that we use on about anything. It's a great general purpose. Uh, the digits on that is 1268, 12% nitrogen, 6% phosphorus, 8% potassium, but it slowly breaks down over the course of 90 days. So it will last pretty much all winter long. Now, the other thing about a fertilizer is you want something that's well balanced. I mentioned the uh, fertilizer we use is a 1268. 
uh, you see that that has all the nutrition they need. They've got the nitrogen, the phosphorus, the potassium all right there in that one pellet. Some fertilizers have a zero in their digits, whether it's zero nitrogen or zero percent phosphorus or zero percent potassium. You need to give your container plants a little bit of everything. You don't want to be a deficient in one or the other. So it's better to give them a little extra rather than not enough. So well-balanced, you need all those digits, those three digits, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. You need to have a little bit uh, for them in each category and also a slow-release fertilizer. Now, we do use, in some cases, those liquid fertilizers. I shouldn't use any brand names, but just because it's liquid doesn't mean it's a miracle, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) There's the blue stuff, right? The stuff you put in a watering can, fill it with water, uh, and it breaks down in uh, in the water. Now, you can use those things, but that is like a candy bar. It doesn't slowly break down. It gives the plants nutrition right away, and it doesn't linger for very long. As a matter of fact, some of those miracle grows, oh, I said it, oops, excuse me, some of those liquid fertilizers, <laughs> they release so quickly that a lot of the nutrition, particularly the nitrogen, will volatize. It'll turn into a gas and go straight up into the air, and then your plants can't use it. So it doesn't last for long. Use your pellets as the meat and potato dinner and use the liquid feed as a supplement to give them a boost, to give them just a bit of nutrition to bloom better, bloom stronger. When we get back, I've got a tip or two more about growing those containers over winter. Hang on tight, gang. We'll be right back. Greenness unfolded for the world. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. So gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are answering your questions. This is our Q&A week, which is sort of delayed uh, partly because of me, but also partly because of the uh, SEC, I guess. Because, uh, let's see, last week we had a UGA game that was early, so we didn't have a show. But the week before, I took our normal Q&A week at the end of the month the last program at the end of the month, and actually did a Halloween special about scary, spooky plants. So I hope you'll forgive me for being a little behind on answering your questions, Uh, but we're here to help. We're here to help. And if you've missed uh, that spooky, scary garden episode we did, of course, you can find that at NewSouthernGarden.com. But this week, we are back to the mailbag, back to the mailbox, the inbox, whatever terminology we can use these days, and we're answering your questions. Because uh, over the past month and a couple of weeks extra, you have been sending us your questions at NewSouthernGarden.com and send it to the Contact Us page there we have. And you've also sent them on Facebook and Instagram. And those are great ways to keep in touch with the show. Now, before the break, we were talking about maintaining our fall containers. And of course, these kind of containers are those beautiful containers you put on the front porch or the back patio. They've got the pansies, the annual flowers, violas. Uh, They've got maybe some beautiful perennials that look good all year long. 
Well, regardless of what you're growing, I can help you get them looking good all winter. Because half the fun, half of the fun of these winter containers, or fall containers, it's almost winter, uh, half the fun is planting them, putting them together. As a matter of fact, we had a workshop at Lanier Nursery and Gardens a few weeks ago near the end of October where we were assisting folks, teaching them how to put these beautiful containers together. And it was a great day, great fun Saturday morning uh, that they had at the nursery. But now that you've got your container, you got to keep them looking good. So the next half of the fun, other than planting, the next half is keeping them looking good all winter long. So we were talking a bit about how much do you water these plants, how much uh, uh, fertilizer and how often. And then, of course, we talked a bit about uh, watering. How do you water? You got to monitor before you moisturize. When it comes to the fertilizer, remember, using a slow-release, well-balanced fertilizer is going to be the meat and potatoes you give your plants. The liquid feed, I want to just reiterate, the liquid feed is just a supplement. The liquid feed gives them a boost. It's like a candy bar. It doesn't last for very long, but it is helpful. But don't use liquid feed as your only food source uh, because, well, it's just not, doesn't linger long enough. But the last little tip that we would give Gina, who, again, her question was she made one of these fall containers and how can she keep it looking good over winter? What does she need to do to care for it? The last tip I would give you, Gina, and anybody who's got these containers, is pruning. You do need to do some pruning on your plants, but not the kind of pruning you would think of as with a shrub or with a tree. No, the kind of pruning we do on these beautiful fall containers that have pansies and violas and other things in them, snapdragons, what we want to do is to deadhead. Deadheading is a form of pruning, but deadheading is just the removal of spent flower heads. You know, the pansies, when they're blooming... Or the snapdragons, when they're blooming, they're gorgeous. They've got their petals. And those colorful petals do eventually turn pretty brown and kind of nasty, right? Well, those need to be removed before they go to seed. Because uh, if the plants are allowed to go to seed, then they will slow down their blooming. And unless you want to grow your plants to harvest the seed, then there's really no reason to let them go to seed. So removing spent flower heads as soon as you can, as soon as they start looking kind of sad or bad or brown, is a good idea. Doing that, the simple action, and you can, in most cases, particularly with pansies and violas, you can pinch off those flower heads with your fingertips. But you may need to use a pair of scissors or a pruning shear uh, for heavier materials like snapdragons as they grow. Regardless, removing that signals to the plant that it needs to try and bloom some more. Because the purpose of these plants, at least one of their main purposes in life, really the only purpose, is to reproduce. The main purpose of plants in general, sort of like the main purpose of all life, is to have offspring. And when their seed pod is removed, or when the spent flower is removed... It signals. There's some hormonal changes. Yes, there plants have hormones. There's some hormonal changes that signal to the plant you need to get busy and make more flowers so you can make more seeds. So we can use this little bit of plant biology and uh, botany, if you will. We can use this 
physiological aspect of plants to our advantage because by removing spent flowers, we can increase the number of flowers that we will have for the rest of the season. So again, the last little tip that I would give you, Gina, on keeping your containers cared for over winter, other than monitoring before you moisturize, right? Don't overwater, but don't underwater. Monitor the moisture level in that pot as often as you can. Number two, of course, is fertilizing with well-balanced, slow-release fertilizer and using those liquid feeds as a supplement. Well, the third step, of course, Gina, like we've just discussed, is to deadhead your flowers. It can be a bit tedious can be a bit tedious, uh, but it is very beneficial and it will keep those containers looking really good. Now, I should mention that you can do more. You can do more than tip pruning or deadheading. Uh, you, You can clip back the plants. If your pansies have a lot of yellow on the older leaves, you want, or maybe they're getting lanky, they're they're not thick and shrubby-like and full, you can trim those back about 50%. Uh, it, there'll be a slow go for them to regenerate, but if you do that later in the winter, then by early spring, those plants will regenerate new leaves and bloom again uh, before they have to be removed from the pot. So you can do a little more than just deadheading as far as pruning goes, can be beneficial and can give you a nice looking plant. Well, Gina, I do want to say thank you for your question and thank you for sending that to us uh, to our email at NewSouthernGarden.com on the contact us page. If you have a question like Gina does, be sure to do so because at the end of the month or or, or abouts, depending on the UGA football games, uh, we will be glad to answer your questions. Now, With that in mind, Samuel is in North Atlanta. Samuel has some questions about vegetables. So let's shift gears from ornamental things and containers and talk a little bit about vegetables. Samuel writes to us, he says, I'd like to grow some cool season vegetables, but I fear I'm too late. Can I still grow vegetables this time of year? Well, Samuel, it is true uh, that if you were going to sow vegetables from seed, usually we'd start that in later summer. Uh, We did have an episode a few, several weeks ago now, about growing vegetables over the cool season, and you may want to check that out uh, on the website. But uh, yes, it's sort of late, but I'm not going to disheartening you completely. I think that you can still have some time, you still have some opportunities uh, to continue growing some things or get started with growing things but you're going to have to do it in a special way. Now, had you, Samuel, been able to plant earlier in the season when the temperature, the air temperature was still warm, uh, the ground temperatures were very warm. Don't get me wrong. The ground temperatures are still very warm now, but the air temperature has cooled off, which is going to prevent a lot of foliar growth. On these nice, warm, sunny days we've been having, it is ideal for the fall season crops, and really, we've had some great weather. So, I don't want to say don't try it, uh, but let's try it with some precaution. And one of the main precautions that we want to um, to uh, look out for, Samuel, is is the cool temperatures, the frosts and whatnot. That's the one thing that is going to probably prevent you from being very successful. Well, thanks to modern technology, we can grow things in our climate, at least, pretty much all season long with some uh, some added infrastructure. I know there's been a lot of talk in politics about infrastructure, but uh, infrastructure in the garden uh, looks a lot like, you know, uh, little cold frames or greenhouses, if you will. But you don't need an entire greenhouse to do any of these things. You do want to build some kind of protection from the frost. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to create a hoop system over your growing area 
the hoop doesn't have to be very tall, maybe 24, uh, 36 inches above the ground. You can easily make these hoops from PVC pipe because it's quite flexible. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe uh, as I talk to you, but you can look at some images online. Maybe just search for PVC hoop uh, cold frames and it's quite easy you may need some rebar or some lumber uh, to make this work out but other than that the PVC is your structure and over the top of your PVC hoops you see you will lay out some some plastic which you can get plastic from the hardware store that would be uh, uh, usable enough for one season if you plan to use the plastic over and over you'd want to use a greenhouse grade but you can get some cheap plastic and you can lay it over your plants the plants don't care the quality of the plastic that's just uh, your your job but what that plastic is going to do is it's going to trap heat it's going to trap heat from the sun and it's going to warm up your uh, soil much quicker uh, and much more warmer it will get it much more warmer than without the plastic now during the day you uh if it gets very hot which we can have some very warm days in the fall we've had almost 77 one time this week i, I checked on that so during those times you can open the ends of it if you want to uh on your little hoop house if you want to have ends that can open like a drape or like a curtain keep those open during the day but close them off as soon as oh about four o'clock five o'clock becomes comes around because that will help to hold more heat around your plants and particularly at their root systems keeping that uh, soil very warm and that will not only keep your plants safe keep your vegetables whether it's collards or kales or cabbages or radishes you can try that and, and, and under plastic you could probably do carrots uh, for at least a few weeks <laughs> but regardless that will keep them protected from the frost give them just enough warm weather that they can uh, that they'll speed up their growing and you'll have a quicker crop and I think you can do that now actually I think you'll have enough time you might be able to try plants from seed uh, but if not from seed, you can buy uh, plants from the nurseries. Uh, if there's still some available, it is getting kind of late for that sort of thing. Uh, but you can also grow seed indoors, sort of harden them off in those cold frames, plant them in the ground, and give that a shot. There are many ways that you can attempt this. Uh, you could also create a little box uh, out of some maybe old windows, if you have some old windows or a source for that. Windows, old windows at least, are great to use as a cold frame media because the glass is used like the plastic. It will absorb the heat, it will trap the heat, uh, and it will protect them from frost over uh, the nighttime temperatures. Now, of course, you're going to want to fertilize these babies because they're going to be growing pretty quick under that plastic. So be sure to give a slow release fertilizer if you're into organics and you want to grow organic uh, cool season crops. Give them something like the Espoma Garden Tone. We've got some of that, of course, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens. A Garden Tone is a great product for the plants you're going to be growing this time of year. Uh, but again, the intention is to keep frost off of these plants, off their leaves, even though they're quite tough. Trying to grow a young plant with frost temperatures is not too easy. Uh, and of course, trying to keep the soil temperature as warm as possible. Now, I will say that we did this same thing in larger houses. They were not heated. You don't have to add extra heat for this kind of growing. So they weren't technically a greenhouse, which has uh, some kind of heater in it. 
these were all cold frames. But we did this same thing at UGA when I was in college, and we were growing several things. I remember a lot of spinach. We would grow a lot of spinach in this manner. We would plant them underneath the plastic, uh, and it would keep them very warm in the day, and it would keep them relatively warm at night because that plastic will help to hold in the ground heat. Uh, it will help to warm up the soil, and that just radiates under the plastic overnight. So it's a natural way, sort of. Of course, plastic is not necessarily natural, but it is a natural way to get a little extra heat without going to the expense of installing some kind of heater or using propane tanks, uh, adding extra expense. No need to do that for these crops. They like the cooler weather. Your cabbages, your kales, your collards, uh, radishes, they don't mind the cooler weather. But when it gets very frosty and very cold, it slows down their growth. So if you can apply just a little extra heat in this manner with this uh, plastic hoop house, uh, cold frame, then you will be very successful. Samuel, let us know how it goes. Send us some pictures. We'd love to see what you create and what grows in your winter vegetable garden. When we get back, perennials for the holiday season. Hang on tight. Now I'm lost in the delta. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. Here we are, the final segment of today's show. Of course, today has been all about you and your questions, your garden, uh, but we're giving you our answers. So far today, we've talked about uh, keeping your fall containers looking good all winter long. And of course, Samuel from North Atlanta, he was talking a bit about um, growing some cool season crops. Was he too late? But it's a little late to the party, but with the weather we've been having and using the assistance of a cold frame, or simply some plastic draped over these plants can help him grow vegetables even longer this winter season. So if you're interested in growing some vegetables, be sure to uh, to follow those ideas. And you can check out, uh, we did just recently, uh, several weeks ago now, I think more closer in September, uh, we did a program about uh, growing cool season crops all winter long. And... Uh, That, of course, can be found at NewSouthernGarden.com and on all the podcasting apps that you can probably find, hopefully. (laughs) So, now we've got one final question I think we'll have time for, um, and this is Betty. Betty, she is asking, could you recommend some perennials that look good over winter? Uh, Trying to spruce up my perennial beds for the holidays. Well, Betty, I know you and a lot of other folks are definitely looking to do that because the holidays are getting ever so closer. I know that most of the retail outlets are stocked to the brim with toys for Christmas. They're stocked with decorations for Christmas and probably still some Thanksgiving things, even though it seems like Christmas takes over everything. Just the other day, we decided that we would hang our wreaths 
at the nursery. We don't do much decoration, but we do put some wreaths on the front of the building and some lights. And uh, some of the employees, it was a battle. Some of the employees said, oh, I hate it because Christmas is too early. We need to wait till at least after Thanksgiving. But you know what, folks, in the retail business, it appears that Christmas starts before Halloween, I'm afraid, because <laughs> I saw Christmas trees at certain department stores uh, before uh, things before Halloween came around. So yes, we need to make sure that our gardens and our landscapes look tip-top shape for the holidays. And I'm glad, Betty, that you decided to plant some perennials. Of course, perennials are those plants that usually they're, they're not very woody. They're not like a shrub, right? Shrubs get stems that are really rigid and, and woody with bark. Well, most perennials, they don't. Most perennials are just herbaceous. They're just green. They have foliage um, and soft, fleshy stems. But then, of course, they may flower. And that is all the better because flowers are wonderful. Now, it is true that... uh, most plants don't bloom over winter. You know, we've talked about a few things like um, Chinese paper bush, which is a shrub. It blooms in the winter. We've talked about camellias, which bloom in the winter. Uh, we've talked about, oh, what's the other? Daphne, winter Daphne, blooms in the winter, but those are all shrubs. So there's just a few uh, winter blooming perennials that I would mention. Uh, number one would be hellebore. The hellebore is a big blooming perennial. Of course, it blooms later in winter, so it won't have flowers, most likely. It will not have flowers for Christmas, uh, definitely not for Thanksgiving. But once Christmas is over, it will have some beautiful flowers, uh, sort of bell-shaped, and they nod towards the earth, really attractive, dainty. But uh, their foliage is evergreen. Their foliage is evergreen, which means it keeps its leaves all year. They have big palm-shaped leaves, and uh, they spread they creep and crawl. Hellebores is one of those real gardener's gardener plant, you know, gardener's gardener. I don't know if I'm saying that. Right. I don't know. It's a plant that gardeners love because it does spread. It doesn't invade or take over, but it can be passed along because you'll have more plants than you uh, can probably put in your landscape. Beautiful though. So evergreen and flowers. Now another plant that flowers and it should be flowering now and may sporadically flower over winter if we have a generally mild winter is dianthus. Dianthus is also known as pinks. And uh, these little flowers are in the carnation family. Very closely related to carnation, the dianthus itself has a beautiful smell. You got to get your nose right up on it, but it is that carnation flower smell. Maybe just a bit sweeter in my opinion, (laughs) but they do have some beautiful strap-like foliage that is sort of a ashy blue-green color. So gray, blue, green foliage that looks good all winter long. Uh, Most of the garden dianthus, they creep, they crawl a bit, and so they can fill in a space uh, pretty carefree. They can handle sun, maybe some part shade, but they'll bloom better if they get sun. Great for a rock garden. If you have uh, a rock garden area or boulder area, they can just uh, tuck in between those rocks and they'll find a space to grow. They don't need much soil um, and fairly drought tolerant, even though they'll probably need a little moisture from you uh, to get established. But this time of year should be very easy to go. But blue-green, ashy, evergreen foliage, very attractive with those beautiful little pink, white, red. Uh, They come in all different color flowers. Now, those are the flowers that are going to be blooming about this time of year the perennials that will be blooming over winter or at least some portion of winter. But there are some perennials that look great in the landscape because they are evergreen. Uh, 
Uh, one of the, the most common is Liriope. Some people call it monkey grass. I do hate the name monkey grass because uh, I think it sort of falls out of favor with people because back in the 90s, we used monkey grass all over the place and created, we used the wrong Liriope. We used the monkey grass that spreads and creeps and crawls and it just invaded people's landscapes. But there is a Liriope called Liriope muscari, uh, which is a bunch like grass. It is bunch-like. It does not creep and crawl. It blooms in the summer, but it's evergreen. And there's also some variegated forms, which can add a little extra color over winter. Then you've got the Carex and the Acorus. They're grass-like too, but they are evergreen. We've got a great uh, Carex at the nursery called Everillo. Everillo evergreen, evercolor. Bright yellow foliage, folks. Bright yellow foliage. We've got another Carex that has some beautiful uh, bronze foliage. Very grass-like, very mop-head-like, just shaggy hair, really pretty. It almost looks dead, it's so brown, but it's so intriguing and so unusual. Uh, you may want to try that one out, uh, Betty. Now, there are the acorus, which are grass-like too, but they come in bright yellows, and they come in greens, and they come in variegated colors. Of course, we've got some of those at the nursery too, but they are beautiful plants for that fine texture that we love so much. Now, euphorbia. I've talked a lot about euphorbia, but never in the wintertime. But euphorbia is an evergreen perennial that uh, can be about three foot each way. It's sort of shrub. It's sort of the size of a small shrub. But its foliage, particular, the, particularly the one called Ascot Rainbow, has a beautiful variegated foliage with new growth that's sort of pink, uh, orangey, if you will. And then that turns into yellows and lime greens and uh, dark greens. And then they do bloom later in the uh, winter, more like early spring, with a beautiful fluorescent yellow flower that's quite unusual. It's hard to describe. It's it's a flower within a flower, uh, and it's kind of uh, kind of alien-like, if you will. Uh, one of the last plants, Betty, that I would recommend for your perennial garden to look really great this year uh, for winter and the holidays is heuchera. Heuchera or coral bells is a native plant, and because of modern breeding, we have been able to achieve some beautiful leaf foliage forms. There are heucheras that uh, are uh, purple, heucheras that are sort of purple with a silver sheen to it. There are heucheras that are orange, nearly orange, just the foliage itself. There's heucheras that are lime green and yellow chartreuse and, of course, dark green. But the heucheras, not all of them are evergreen, but many of the ones that you'll find in modern uh, modern selections are evergreen. So they look good in the winter and can give you some beautiful color just from their foliage. Then in late winter, early spring, they're going to send up these flower spikes with these little white bells hanging off of them. So... All of those plants are great. We've got them at the nursery. But if you are looking for some color, perennials are a way to go. You just got to pick the right one for this time of year. Well, gang, thank you for your questions to make our Q&A week awesome and amazing. We hope you send us some questions at NewSouthernGarden.com for next month. And as always, I'm Nathan Wilson, hoping you stay well and grow well. See you next time. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.